This episode of Gatekeeper is brought to you by CISO. CISO is on-demand, 24-7 streaming comedy, curated for the comedy connoisseur. Visit CISO.com and try it now for free. Welcome to Gatekeeper, a podcast about booking from the bookers and gatekeepers who decide who's in, who's out. Also, there's other stuff. And now your host of Gatekeeper, artistic director of the Hollywood Improv, Jamie Flam. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Flam, and welcome to episode nine of Gatekeeper. So far on the show, I've talked with producers and bookers, and today I'm sharing part of an on-location conversation I had with an actual keeper of a gate, Larry Logan. Here's a sneak peek. So your job, Larry, is to guard this gate. No, I own a whistle shop. A whistle shop? Sell whistles. So what is this gate that we're standing in front of? It protects my house. Hmm. I bought the gate. And now, I keep the gate. It's my gate. I I think there's been a misunderstanding. What's that whistle sound? The interview was a disaster, and I'm sharing it as a learning lesson for all you podcasters of tomorrow. The lesson? You don't always have to go with the first person you find on Craigslist. They respond quickly, yes, but nine times out of ten, it's because they didn't read the ad. Or they read it, but there was a language barrier. That's happened a couple of times. Or in this case, they understood the words of the ad, I guess, but didn't have the intellectual context. And by the way, it turns out that whistle meant, get off my property or I'll release these hawks. I did not get off quick enough and I was attacked by hawks. In retrospect, I think that whistle simply meant release the hawks. In any case, I was attacked by hawks and I'm not going to be playing the full interview for you because I think it will freak people out. But I do have another interview to share. This one with Chris Mancini and Graham Elwood. Now, Chris and Graham are stand-up comedians, they're podcasters, festival producers, filmmakers, and Chris is a soon-to-be-published graphic novelist. Their podcast, Comedy Film Nerds, has been a defining force in the rise of the medium, and LA Podfest, which they co-produce, is now entering its fifth year, every year boasting the biggest names in comedy podcasting, including Mark Marin, Doug Benson, Aisha Tyler, Paul F. Tompkins, The Long Shot Podcast, and Comedy Bang Bang, and so many more. And they created and directed the first documentary on podcasting called Earbuds, which is currently being submitted to the festival circuit. So listen, the interview, it begins right up. Uh, hold up. I think Adbot is here. Hey, Adbot, what's going on? CISO is fun. CISO, the comedy network, is sponsoring your show again, so you need to read from this paper. Okay, thanks, Adbot. Any special instructions? I guess just, you know, be enthusiastic and have fun or something. Oh, thank you, Adbot. Okay, I got a question for you. Have you ever logged into a streaming service and spent more time looking for something to watch than actually watching a show? I know I have. It's the worst. Well, that won't happen with CISO. CISO is curated comedy for people like you. CISO for yourself. CISO's got all 40 seasons of Saturday Night Live, the entire Monty Python library, all of the kids in the hall, Parks and Rec, both versions of The Office, Steve Carell and Martin Freeman, and I think Ricky Gervais is on that as well, and hilarious brand new exclusive stand-up and series from people like Upright Citizens Brigade, Cameron Esposito, Dan Harmon, Scott Ackerman, and Jonah Ray, plus it's 100% ad-free and costs just $3.99 a month. 
CISO's got all of NBC's late night shows the next day and new stand up every day of the year, plus original series from the funniest people on earth, all for just $3.99 a month. All the best comedy in one place. So go to CISO.com. Again, it's only $3.99 a month with no ads and no joke. Speaking of no joke, that interview with Chris and Graham I told you about just minutes ago. We're going to go to it right now. Adbot, take us away. I realize I'm just a robot, but I'm very quickly falling in love with this episode of your show. Gatekeeper. Graham Elwood and Chris Mancini. Hello. Welcome. Great to, to be here. Thanks, man. Real quick, the, the the list that we can discuss when it comes to gatekeeping with you guys is formidable. <laughs> we're, we're formidable. We're formidable gatekeepers, or we've been gatekept and uh, gate swingers. <laughs> well, now it they sounds like we're in a, a creepy sex club, Chris. <laughs> um, well, I'm happy to get into that as well. Yes, um, we have know. t-shirts. The gatekeepers. <laughs> Chris and I in Speedos. <laughs> well, these guys, um, you've been doing podcast, your own podcasts since I think podcasts were invented, comedy film nerds. Yeah, we started uh, late 2009. We were a little later in the game than some of the other ones. But we've still, you know, we're- 2009, that's early days, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, six, seven sure. years ago. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not bad. And then um, you guys are almost done with your documentary about podcasting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Earbuds. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about that. And then, of course, LA Podfest, which is now in what year? Year five? Yeah, year five. Year, fifth year. Amazing. Um, it's become one of LA's and one of, if not the only and best podcast festival uh, in the world. It's it, There's a couple little other podcast festivals out there, but we're the, we were the first and it's ours. It's still of, the biggest. Yeah. Ours is pretty nice. I love it. Before we get to all that. <laughs> I like ours. I think ours is yeah, pretty. It's, it's, it's nice. It's pretty cool. It's I've cute. been a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It purrs. Um, Podfest purrs. Before we dive in, I also wanted to talk to Chris real quick about a project that you are currently raising money for on Kickstarter. Yes. Called Long Ago and Far Away. Yes. What's your pitch? This is a uh, <laughs> this is a graphic novel. 60 seconds, Chris, yeah. go. I've been working on it for a very long time. This is a project I was working on actually with Mark Wade. And um, while it didn't make it onto the uh, Thrillbent site because of some funding issues, uh, I decided to kickstart it to um, get it going. Now, the premise of it is that- Well, first of all, tell everybody who Mark Wade is. Mark Wade is the writer of um, almost every comic book that you've heard of, Avengers, <laughs> Batman, Superman, um, Black Widow, and even Archie. So oh, he's wow. written on all these. In fact, he wrote some Star Wars ones too, and Agents of Shield. And if he, I thought he's, I saw he, Jughead in a couple of those yeah. early Superman. <laughs> and it was Batman it, v Jughead. Yeah, <laughs> it was really cool. There's actually an Archie versus Predator that actually came oh, out. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. That sounds great. <laughs> um, and he was kind of like a mentor to me as far as uh, getting this going and helping me find an artist. And I ended up finding an artist, Fernando Pinto, um, through podcasting. I got some referrals, and uh, we were going back and forth in New email and he goes, dude, I know who you are. I love comedy film nerds. So it was like really cool. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Then I don't have to explain the humor. Then you, <laughs> you already, you're up to speed. So the premise of the book is that, um, I always thought about the kids that went into Narnia or Oz or Fantasia. Well, what happens when they come back and they grow up and they're like 30, they run a comic book store, they still live with their mother and they have some emotional issues from what happened to them as a child. So that is what happens to all of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, but then what happens then when they have to go back in that world again? And it's about, it's kind of a comedy Lord of the Rings kind of type thing, but also it's about, um, 
you know, when we have that childhood wonder, when we become cynical adults and lose that, how do we get it back? Because that's part of us and we should never lose that. Yeah. Reclaiming your youth, reclaiming the enchantment and the magic in the world. Yes. Just happens to be my life's mission. Perfect. Then, uh, then definitely retweet it. <laughs> I, I will gladly retweet it. And um, so where can people find the Kickstarter? This Kickstarter, uh, you can find it actually through a link um, through the Comedy Film Nerd site or my website. But mainly if you just go to Kickstarter and type long ago and far away, it'll it'll come up. And right now we're a week in and it's about a quarter funded. So um, it's a good start, but we really need your help to get to the goal. And the money is to pay the artists to finish and also to publish and print the book. Amazing. Well, I will put a link on uh, the Gatekeeper Oh, well, they don't have a website. <laughs> Note to self, make a website <laughs> for this podcast. Uh, but I will make sure to retweet and whatever it takes. Excellent. But this is a great project for a great person. It's really cool. Thanks, it's, it's yeah. you know, having sort of been alongside Chris as he's gone through this whole process. I mean, he first told me about the idea many years ago and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then I remember when, you know, Mark Wade, um, this, this woman that worked for him, uh, came to us at, at, uh, Comic-Con and we had this really cool. And so it was, I was like, oh, this, and then when, when throw bent the money, they, their money thing, whatever fell apart, that was a bummer. And it was like, ah, oh. but it's sort of, and it, and it fits the show a little bit is, you know, that's such a, th- an issue in show business is the gatekeepers mm-hmm. either run out of money or the funding leaves. So they don't, they don't control the gate anymore or they change or an executive, the one executive that liked it, then they move on and it can get so frustrating. It is really cool and very empowering as an artist to then go, okay, well, like I love that, that crowdfunding is this, is the, is the like backup. Yeah. You could go straight to the fans now and say, look, do you like this? Then, you know, you're pre-buying it basically. No, I think absolutely. It's the perfect segue because, you know, crowdfunding has changed the game considerably as with, you know, lots of social media, but you know, you're not beholden to other people. Um, it still helps to get people with a lot of money. and And the ironic thing is once you crowdfund something, you have, you're more likely of getting it picked up by the, uh, the gatekeepers that may have passed on it before. Yeah. It's a proof of concept. Exactly. Want this, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can say I, I've, I've raised this much money from this many people. That's right. the thing that's so great now about this whole digital era is you can come up with hard numbers. It's, it's not just like theory, mm-hmm. like it's a good idea. And I, and I think people will love it. You can say, well, I've already proven that this many people like it. Totally. And so, and they've proven it by giving them their, giving you their money. Right. They right. gave you yeah. money mm-hmm. and that's, that's no it. small feat. And, and the other thing too, that I think is, is fascinating and helpful to this is, okay, Chris, myself and comedy film nerds, we don't have, you know, two, 300,000 followers or we don't get those kind of downloads, you know, we, get, but we have enough that it's not outlandish for us to, to try this. And we've been successful with, I mean, that's how we funded year one of PodFest, and mm-hmm. that's how we funded the documentary. Well, let's take a step backwards. So, um, comedy film nerds, mm-hmm. lay it out. <laughs> what is it? Where can people get it? Why should they listen? And how has it evolved in that order? Well, it started as a website. <laughs> it started as a website and then Graham Comedyfilmnerds.com. And it was a, uh, it was a, a site for uh, movie reviews. And it was also a store that we would sell um, not just our products, but also c- uh, other comedians 
CDs, T-shirts, DVDs, books. Uh, and then uh, Graham came one day and said, uh, well, we should really do a podcast to support the website. And that's when I went, well, what's a podcast? So uh, uh, we did a couple and they were a little rough. If you go back and listen to the sure. first episode, yeah, they're, they're kind of entertaining. And uh, we're like, well, okay, was it 15, 20 minutes or whatever? They're sound issues. And that's what's so great about the podcast fans. If they like you, um, they will try to help you. We got a lot of emails. Your sound's terrible. It's, it's mono coming out in one of my head earbuds. Right. So uh, here's how you fix it. This is what you should be doing. And you know what? When we started, there wasn't like a tutorial or anything we could follow there. Everyone was just kind of you know figuring out as they go. So the fan feedback was incredibly helpful to get us uh, going, especially to get the sound quality up and even the content where it needed to be. So, and, and that it expanded from there. We added more guests and more shows and the website grew. We added more writers, more products in the store. We're the only place you could get thrilling adventure hour and Dana Gould merchandise. And, uh, We've just expanded every part of it and we've gone into more production. We've done commercials. We have the feature film that'll be out this fall. And now, you know, now we're getting into uh, more uh, books. We did the comedy film Nerd's Guide to Movies, but now we're going to, we're doing the graphic novel and it's, it's been a great growth and progression. Uh, we would prefer it would have happened quicker, but, sure, uh, sure. <laughs> but it is growing. With more zeros? Right yes. Yeah. <laughs> on the, um, on the back end, not the front end. <laughs> right, right. But you guys, I mean, it seems like you're in a unique position where you've built and you're both performers as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's enough, uh, uh, revenue streams that you're able to support yourself doing projects that you love doing. It's definitely, um, been very rewarding in that regard where, you know, everything, since you're doing everything on a shoestring, everything takes longer. And, um, like one of the issues we're having with the earbuds is that it, it took longer than we thought just because, uh, we raised $140,000 on Kickstarter to make the movie. Um, you can't make a documentary film and go all over the world for $140,000. So even with calling in favors and everything, there still was cost overruns and delays and we we're, we did the best we could there, but it's, you know, it's done. It's going to be in people's hands in a couple of months. And the cool thing was, um, was the revenue that comedy film nerds, the business from online sales and ad revenue from the podcast, mainly online sales that was covering the overages of post-production. Right. So Graham and I weren't throwing our own money in. Mm -hmm. I mean, we weren't taking uh, salaries, <laughs> uh, but we were able to cover the cost to uh, finish the film. And yeah. the film, I mean, I know what it's about, but to the people listening, what, what is this film? What so is this documentary? We, Earbuds is, it's called Earbuds, the podcasting documentary. And we, and you know, this as a podcaster, cause you've got some other podcasts that you've been doing for a while. We really found that there's such a connection between the podcaster and the fan, unlike any other medium before. Like I've done over 300 episodes of TV, never had people email me and say, you know, this got me through a tough time. Mother was sick, cancer, whatever, depression, and, you know, as a podcaster, you get those emails all the time. And it's very flattering and humbling. It's it's because as performers and entertainers and just as artists in general, that's really, you know, what we all hope to achieve just to touch someone's life and, you know, for the better and make make someone's life a little bit better or easier. It's funny, too. And, and, and I think we, we cover this a little bit in the documentary is it's is all for all the fans that are like, Oh man, your podcast really helped me get through this tough thing or whatever. It helped us because there's so many times, you know, we're, it's a labor of love. We're going out of pocket. It's when it's not paying the bills just yet or whatever. And then we'd be like, Oh, why are we, you know, 
come on, man. Like I live 30 minutes from Chris. I'm driving to his place. Like we all could be doing other things. Why is this? And then you'd get an email and you go, oh, okay, that's why we're doing this. You know? And, and then when the fans rallied and supported and funded the uh, documentary, we're like, oh, this is amazing. You know, the support, the groundswell of support we got was, was just really um, fantastic. And, and, you know, Kickstarter is this like, you know, it's this ticking time bomb thing. Yes. And we were, you know, a good sixty, seventy thousand dollars short, maybe three, four days out. And right. we were just like, well, yeah. it ain't going to happen. I'll and then try. it started to kind of rally in and then, and everyone is on Twitter, you know, pushing it and upping their pledges and everyone wanted it to happen. It's, it was an amazing thing. And, and, and people kept saying, God, man, I was, I felt emotional about this. I can't imagine how you yeah. and Chris felt. Yeah. I'm amazed I didn't die. You know what's the worst thing if you have anxiety? Doing a Kickstarter. <laughs> oh yeah. I think that's why I've avoided it to this point. <laughs> Is the uh, Surgeon General aware of this? Uh, uh, he he or she should it, be. It can't be good for your health. Um, so yeah, it's 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 been. That's what the documentary is about. And then we, you know, we've we've got a lot of big name podcasters. We've got you know the guys, the stuff you should know. We've got Freakonomics people. We've got uh, Aisha Tyler, Chris Hardwick, Doug Benson, Mark Marin, Joe Rogan, talking about what it meant to them. And then we interviewed fans literally all over the world saying, and how that connection, how that mm -hmm. affected their lives. Yeah. And you know, we, we show, we have a, a fan and in, in, we have a bunch of fans in Japan, but one of them is this woman, Sanai, who started emailing us early on and you know, she's a Japanese housewife and we would joke about her on the show. We'd call her Sandy, big fan Japan and all this <laughs> stuff. And she sort of became part of the show. And then when the tsunami uh, hit, Japan in March of 2011, a bunch of our fans jumped on Twitter and Twitter for whatever reason was the only thing working for her. And, you know, she talks about this in the documentary, how it helped her through it. It helped That's her through amazing, it. Yeah. And, and it's crazy. You know, we've got an Iraq vet talking about, you know, I'm, I'm in Iraq and I'm, you know, going on deployments and stuff. And, I'm listening to a film podcast in California and you guys are talking about me and, and you know, he goes, it was just, it, it, so you hear those things and you're just sort of, it's, it's, it's just sort of, it's humbling. As Chris said, it's humbling and it's also heartwarming and making the documentary. I was just watching it. You know, we're, we're finishing little tweaky glitch hassle problems on it, but we're finally finishing. <laughs> so it's great that we've watched it a hundred times. A hundred times. Sure, yeah. And there's still scenes that hit me emotionally. You know, as they should. Yeah. And that's, that to me is like, I know we've got something good here and we wanted also to make this movie because we kind of know the podcast community is going to kind of, they're going to dig it. Yeah. Well, it also hits us emotionally when we get the email that we have to watch it again. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the hope is that this will also expose, you know, more and more people to it. Well, that's exactly. the plan. We really, yeah. we really want this to be the gateway drug to podcasting. I want someone that doesn't know much about podcasting to hear, Oh, you know, whatever. I'm a Joe Rogan fan or whatever. And I'm going to listen or watch this movie and go, Oh wow, this looks amazing. We, we showed a, a preview version of it at last year's Podfest, And there was a couple, you know, there was this woman who was like a friend of a friend who didn't know much about, she knew me for as a comedian and mm -hmm. just came and, and saw that movie and was like, I'm in. Like, what is this? I want to listen. I want to start one. I want like, what do I do? You know? And, and that's what I we're hoping. We got a lot of feedback too. It was like, well, I knew it was going to be funny, but I didn't realize it would move me so much emotionally because yeah, that, yeah. that's what we're, we kind of did. We wanted you to laugh, but also 
We want you to show to see what that emotional connection is between the podcaster and the host and have it move you emotionally. In fact, even a lot of people that didn't know about podcasting, like some of the uh, consulting producers we brought on board was like, I didn't really know that much about podcasting, but I had an emotional reaction to a lot of oh, these scenes. The editor, the, you know, the, the, the guy that did the color correction, they didn't know much about the podcast world and they watched and you know, they have to watch it and they're like, wow, they're really happy to be a part of this. And I think too, what, 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 you know, Chris is talking about is the, 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 the gamut, the wide range of emotions from this movie. That's also what podcasting is. Yeah. You know, like we've all had, we've all been a part of episodes where one minute you're laughing and the next minute you're having a real serious talk or a heartfelt thing. And that's the thing we love about podcasting and what this documentary captures is it can be anything. Well, and it's changed so much about what it means to be a comedian in this mm-hmm. day and age. Yes, it definitely you has. almost need that. I feel the, the level of savvy of comedy fans now is that, that this podcast, Gatekeeper, exists because there's a market for people to want to know, in, in addition to just comedians who want to uh, peek into the world of um, gatekeepers. But even casual fans, I'm getting emails already because they're so entrenched in, in the lives of the comedians they love. It's helping to educate more people to be better comedy fans because mm-hmm. they hear Which these comedians really talk about, oh, this bachelorette party or this idiot showed up drunk and was yelling out. Podcast fans, when they show up to a comedy club. They're comedy fans. They're quiet. Sure. They yeah. laugh at the right time. They're not yelling out. They're not being idiots. They they're, don't show up drunk. They don't show up drunk. <laughs> they may leave drunk, but they don't show right. up drunk. <laughs> Well, it's funny this past weekend is, is it kind of has nothing to do with this, but, um, a band pulled out or a, a, it's kind of like the most comedy cliche Saturday night in our new lab space. It was half full and a group of 16 bachelorette party girls showed up <laughs> and, you know, as the booker and artistic director, you know, I freak out because right. this can only destroy everything that this we've built in the small room for the night. But, um, I went to our manager, Jay, I said, Jay, just give them a speech um, let them know that, you know, this is a show, it's going to be fun, but you know, you can't be disruptive and God bless them. They sat in the, in the front three rows and they were polite and awesome. And it was oh, like a, a well, comedy victory. Well, you that know That is a huge victory. <laughs> I, I think there's a lesson here too. Whenever a bachelorette party pulls up, they get a speech before they come into the club. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's yeah. absolutely true. And I think that's part of the problem when some of these clubs on the road, and I understand the finances of it, like, we got to fill seats. You get the, you understand this. Yes. We understand this is booking podfest, but yes. like there's, there's sometimes the club owners have this fear and I'm like, you got to educate these people. You got, you know, like I remember one time I was doing a club and it was doing a late show Friday and there was, you know, 40, 50 people in the crowd, 18 of them were bachelorette party. Mm-hmm. And they're talking and the blah, 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 blah. And, and, and afterward the club owner goes, look, Graham, I, you know, I tried to talk to him, but I couldn't kick him out. That was half the audience. And the club owner was kind of saying, you know, Hey Graham, you didn't pack the room, which you have the right to say that, you know, in this day and age, you have to sell those kind of tickets. And I said, I go, that's a good point. But I go, here's what you didn't see. Cause you're not on stage. The whole other half of the audience kept looking over to them. And I said, and this, this club owner made a good point before this show of the worst thing that can happen to comedy is a bad comedy show. Cause people, and I'm sure you've heard this. Oh, I went to see comedy once and it was awful. Right. Right. The, the show sucked or everyone was loud and it was dumb. And so I said to the, I, I said to the club owner, this woman, I said, so those people, 
what if some of them, this is the first ever comedy show and they go, Oh, so just dumb drunk bachelorette parties can come and ruin it. And nothing, nothing, no, there's no accountability. So I'm never coming back. Right. And what Jay did <laughs> is what every club should do. Yes. You, you have, you're to. not turning them away. No, you were just saying, look, here's how it, it works. Yeah. If you want to yell and scream and make it all about the bachelorette, you can't do that here. Yeah. And, well, you, you know, blame... you stay in the van and make your uh, penis balloons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's not a, a penis balloon in the bunch. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's a good sign, but um, no, it is educating. And, and also, I mean, I've, I always react um, with anger and I tried to temper it, <laughs> but remembering that, you know, people are going to react the way they're trained. And if you have gone to comedy shows and it's a, you know, free for all, so it, part of it's just educating and not taking it out on a, a comedy fan or someone that buys a ticket because they, they're going to act the way that they think they're allowed to or supposed to. Yeah. Right? We've uh, all heard that. Like, you know, like a, like a child. Right. I mean, that's how we, we raise toddlers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm only half kidding here, but that's really, you know, the, the toddler, um, acts up just at the level where they can get away with. Mm-hmm. So, and if the boundaries are set, then that toddler starts to behave. Yeah. Yeah. And you make it clear. Like we want to have our big office party. Okay. But you guys can't make it all about your office party. You can't make it all about your birthday party. Like there's a show, there's other people who have paid. We appreciate your business. Come have a good time. But if you guys are all drunk and talking and fucking around, you need to go to a bar and do that. Right. If you want to make it a, you know, if you want to ruin a show, make it a corporate event in your office and the comedian will come there, get paid and not care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we certainly have that during the holidays, you know, we'll have like sure. you know, a, a 200 person office party and do what you will. We yeah. can warn the comics. They bought the room out. Fine. Exactly. But that's a, yeah. that's a whole different scenario because yeah. uh-huh. every comic goes, oh, okay. They get it. Yeah, I get it. You, I know you, what I'm getting you tell into. me that, mm-hmm. I, first of all, I know I'm getting two or three times what I'm normally going to mm-hmm. make. Right. And then I go, oh, office party. And I just go, okay, who's the boss? Who's human resources? Who's right. their competition? Mm-hmm. And I just crowd work and go, at least you guys don't work over at Dynatech Labs. <laughs> ah, those dicks. You know, like. And you, this they is clone Dynatech Labs. Oh, <laughs> oh, shit. I read it wrong. You guys what are great. What does Dynatech do? Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so podcasting that's a thing we talked about that mm-hmm. we're done here guys <laughs> uh so this festival this seems like a good place to take it uh five years now yes uh-huh. mm-hmm. and so the first one like how has it grown in five years in every imaginable way really and that's what we really had planned on it like we called in a lot of favors on the first year including with sponsors and podcasters and comedians and oh god the a- i mean we were just talking AV about this too. today the yeah. av budget so uh, to give you an idea the first year of the festival the total budget of the first year of the festival is around what our av budget is now and the first year of the festival we like Walker Yule, who's a friend of mine who does AV for a living, I called in a huge favor and he was like, all right, for this, you know, you got to pay cash and I'm getting equipment from some guy's warehouse in the Valley that he's not using. And it was real simple. It was like one big spotlight. And, um, it was so amazing because you had a lot of people showing up sponsors fans, podcasters, guests of podcasts showing up going. So, um, all right. What is, all right. Like, what are we doing? We're doing a bunch of these in a hotel. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, the first thing of its kind. And also it was the first time 
that many podcasters, fans, and sponsors had ever gotten together before. And that's when basically the PodFest community was created. Uh, now, every time people come, it's like a reunion. They remember each other. There's new people come. And every year we get bigger and bigger shows. Like this year we have Welcome to Night Vale. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were there for year two. Now they're back for year five. We have Criminal. We're going to have um, Stuff You Should Know and Rooster Teeth. And we're also the other thing we're very proud of, too, is we're expanding it. Like we're not just comedy. Comedy. We're adding different types of shows there too. Um, but one of the things that in addition to the shows like Todd glass and is Aisha back, Tyler and never Jimmy not funny, yeah. never not funny. Like those shows that are kind of almost they're staples in the show, they're like the core. Yeah. And then we, we kind of expand out from there. Um, so we're really happy with the growth and the way it's actually expanded and have been, you know, really just warmly accepted by the fans, podcasters, and the sponsors. The, the cool thing now is, you know, we've got, you know, some, some sponsors, some tech companies that search us out and, you know, finding sponsors is always a, it's a never ending, like some, some are in, then they're out, then they're right. Nobody know. sponsors every year. Mm-hmm. I right. Mean, that's just not how sponsorship works. Like uh, somebody new comes in, they stop sponsoring or they figure, well, we've already sponsored this a couple of years. We've gotten everything we can out of it. We're done. We're moving our money to music festivals or whatever. You can never count on a company sponsoring every year unless they buy the festival. Right. <laughs> is it for sale? Everything's for sale. Everything's for sale, kid. (laughs) Uh, I have 700 and no, I don't even have that. $750. Nope, I don't. Um, So the other thing too is, is, is that's grown is, and we noticed this last year was now that we're sort of established, there's a little bit more of a respect for the festival and not that people were rude or disrespectful, but like, you know, like podcasters are just, uh, you know, they're comedians or whatever. They're like, whenever you need, I'll show up versus, all right, when, it, what, you know, like we're able to start to kind of give revenue shares on stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so shows can make money. It's dependent upon them promoting. Um, but like people are like, they're not giving up a weekend on the road. They're right. actually making some money now. Yeah. And we're able, and, and I think people that have done it shows in the past and fans who are spending their hard earned money, especially if you're flying in from out of town, you're spending a lot of money. Um, are seeing that, you know, we run a professional thing, you know, it's slick. We have, we, we, we don't like the, we have highly paid tech people only <laughs> like this is all well set up. We have stage managers and we spend a lot of money on the presentation and yeah. you wouldn't think we would do that because it's podcasting. Like it's a very kind of low tech, oftentimes do it yourself thing. But for the festival, we step it up. We ramp it up. It's a really nice hotel. Every showroom looks beautiful. I mean, and we really spend the money. Every, every room has screens in it. It's, we, we make it an amazing presentation. Uh, yeah. Cause I think, you know, that's the thing of like, well, why I just listen to these podcasts for free. Why should I, well, it's gotta be special. Yeah. You're seeing them live. Mm-hmm. Now some podcasts do live shows on a regular basis or they do a couple a year, but a lot of them, I mean, we do one or two live shows a yeah. year, it's maybe, like, you know, you listen to a CD, but you still want to see that band live, mm-hmm. you know? So that live show needs to be something special. And I think too, what, what is happening now is the shows themselves are realizing, Oh, I got to ramp it up for PodFest, So I got to get a big name guest. I got to do something special. I got to like, you know, whatever, roll out this big thing. And so that to me is cool because I want the fan especially the one flying in from out of town. That's why it's the LA podcast festival. Right. You're going to walk through the doors and they, I love seeing people lose it. 
because they're just like, holy shit, there's Paul of Tompkins. There's this person, this guy from Mad Men. There's this person from this show. There's Orrin Lapkus. And they're just like, you know, they live in whatever town and they've seen one celebrity their whole lives. And then that weekend they see a hundred and I, I, that's the coolest thing. And then, you know, um, two things happened last year that were just heartwarming. Um, actually one happened two years ago. One, I, I walked into the opening night party this year. We do like an opening night reception. There was food and drinks and stuff like that. And there's a table full of, full of people, five or six people. And they're like, Graham. And I'm like, Hey, welcome back guys. And they're like, man, that's so awesome. And they said, you know, we were just talking the first year we all came alone, didn't know anybody. And now we're all friends. That's the best. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. We help create that. Yeah. And then another one, this guy, him and his wife came, I think from Pittsburgh or something for their 20th anniversary. And he's kind of a nerdy looking guy, you know, like a lot of podcast, sure. podcast fans, right? <laughs> and, and I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> and he came up to me on the second night of the festival and he like practically had tears in his eyes. And he goes, Graham, you know, my whole life I felt like an outcast and a weirdo. And he goes, until this weekend. And like hugged me. And then his wife and he, they came next the last year. And like, and I've already seen his wife, like tickets bought, done. Yep. We're going. And his wife whispered to Graham's ear. He's still a weirdo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like stuff like that. And you get that throughout the weekend, every weekend. And then you see things like LA Podfest attendees, Facebook page. Yeah. It's so, I mean, the festival is a ton of work and hassle and aggravation. And every year we think about, is this worth it? Do we really want to do it anymore? And then every year when the festival actually happens and we interact with everyone, um, it just, it, it all melts away. We just, we're so happy to do it. We're so happy to be part of this community that, uh, we enjoy every minute of it, even when stuff's going wrong (laughs) at the festival, it's still great. Well, I think what, I mean, that festival, what it, what it's doing just for comedy is amazing. And again, it's like that, that community building is the core of what we all want to do as artists and, and that connection. And so that festival, and obviously all you guys have been doing with podcasting and building the experience. I mean, yes, like you said, you know, like you can listen to podcasts, but if you want people to show up um, and be moved, like, you know, you know, those little things, those little details. I mean, there's a, there's a laser show this past year. Yeah. <laughs> that was the joke I was going to make up. You said the spotlight thing. For the and now the uh, comedy lesson 101. No, but I, it's interesting to hear. Like, I want to know, like Jamie, as someone, you guys did long shot either year one or year two. I think we did year one. You did year one. And mm-hmm. then this past year. And then you did last year. So yes. what, what for you as a performer, and then also a guy that, that book shows and does venues. So you're, I know you're looking at that when you walk oh, into it. Yeah. I look at every little aspect of, um, the experience. And the first one was amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that point too, like we had just been doing a podcast for maybe a year at that point. We, we got feedback after the first year. They felt like this feels like a four or fifth year, fourth or fifth year festival. And one of the reasons too, is well, Graham and I bring a fair amount of festival going experience from being, you know, independent filmmakers. And we've seen how they work and we've gone to Comic-Con. We see what works, what doesn't. And then we also brought in, you know, a festival director from Bridgetown, Andy and Andy Wood, and mm-hmm. he had the experience too. So we put everything together. We wanted to make sure that first year you have to knock it out of the park. Yeah. You have to, because if you have a bad first year, that's, it's much harder to win people back. Like, no, no, we got all the bugs worked out on the first year. Please give us another chance. Well, you've blown it. I feel like I, I feel like it was then since we had a good first year, I felt like year two was even more pressure because people were like fluke, 
Or is this a real thing? Was it a one-off? Did they run out of money after the first year? Blah, blah, blah. There's always ways to apply pressure to ourselves, for sure. Uh, Of course. And and that's a good point. It's like, too, well, now how do we top it? How do we make it better? How do we make it bigger? But but that's the thing I'm curious to hear from you. Well, that first year for me personally, um, a fan of the show who may or may not be my assistant now, how five years can evolve, but um, gave me a weed candy. And we had Horatio Sands as our guest, which was really exciting. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of his. And uh, I ate this weed and about 10 minutes into the show, overlooking this sea of darkness, um, I became as high as I've ever been in my entire life. <laughs> I've never listened to that episode to this day, um, but took a fun, weird trip. Didn't I remember happen, hamming it up in ways I never had before. Did that happen to you in an episode too? Whereas uh, it was, and it was the same thing. It was an edible, right? Joey Diaz yeah. gave me a piece of candy and I did not know it had weed in it. <laughs> and I- As highly concentrated, right? I was so concentrated. I ate like, it was like a- A gummy like worm. A whole gummy bear. And I was like, and he's That's like, all hey, takes. here's have this, bro. I'm like, you got it. I was really hungry. And I was like, sure. Then I didn't think it through. Right. Hadn't seen Joey in a while. And you ate the box. Oh. And then you're peering into the depths of your own personal hell. I, in front of people. I was, uh, I went to that. I did the podcast was starting to feel a little, and then went to, to dinner, mm-hmm. uh, with my girlfriend and I fucking lost it at dinner. I was just like, what? I was getting these weird texts cause Graham was supposed to come back after dinner. We had more work to do. And it's like, I gotta go home. I'm like feeling sick. I'm like, what, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> did you eat something weird? And, and then it's like, he's like my head spinning and all this. And I'm like, well then how are you getting home? And it's like, oh no, Lindsay's taking me home. Your girlfriend had to drive you. <laughs> And so now, I mean, five years later, now you have drug sniffing dogs. Yeah. Um, Joey Coco Diaz is not welcome. <laughs> and I avoided the drugs. But yeah, what was, what was the difference then between, so year one, your future assistant gave you a weed and now, uh, what was it like then when you came back? Well, I mean, the first year was Santa Monica. I just remember being lovely and, mm-hmm. and only great. Um, and I, you know, I was, I think maybe I was working at the improv. Maybe it was my first year right here. Now it's been f- over five. But being starstruck, you know, yeah, seeing all these comics. Um, and uh, this past year, like, I think the, the, the best um, advancement was just, you know, I think there were 17 people in this small room where we we're doing our, our podcast that were all attending to us. Like, I got there early and like just, you know, every little technical aspect was it was taken care of. I mean, all we needed was just, you know, four mics. And, right. Right. <laughs> but it was so much fun. And like, you know, Pepitone and, um, and you. Yeah. And, um, who else? We just a few people dropping in. It was just, it felt even more communal. Um, just, you know, people dropping in, playing characters, being guests on our show. That's what I love hearing. Cause that was sort of the thing we wanted to create of like, you know, Chris and I, as he said, we've been to a lot of film festivals. So we, we put that, you know, that sort of template in it, but also I've performed at some music festivals and gone to some music festivals. And so the thing I love about music festivals and that I wanted to create for Podfest is, you know, there's a band and oh, the the guitarist from this other band is just jamming with us, and it's like oh shit. And in comedy, our version is just oh, this comic's gonna pop in and do a skit, or bit, or riff, right. or a character, mm-hmm. or whatever. And that's what I love. Like oh man, I was at Longshot and Eddie Pepitone was doing this character, and then this comic popped in, and that to me is what the fan is getting. They're just getting this like awesome impromptu anything goes like all of these top talent people just just and the thing that's great is that i've noticed is the comics because it's a 
festival run by comedians feel super loose, feel like, oh, we can, who's going to, who's going to say no, you know, right, what I mean? yeah. I remember it was Jackie Cashin, Cashin and um, Dave Anthony mm-hmm. just popping in, having yep. some fun. <laughs> But yeah, and I think that experience wise, that is, that is, and, and also just, you know, meeting so many people and yeah. we had a smaller show, but like being approached, it's weird because like podcasting in general and for me and the long shot, especially because it is just personal and especially me just being very vulnerable from day one, this is a show where I'm trying to be funny and trying to keep up with Pepitone and Sean Conroy in the early days. Um, but I'm literally living on my, my grandma's couch for the first season and talking about that. Right. To have fans yeah. <laughs> from that, more fans from just being myself than any comedy I've ever performed. Yeah. It's very oh, yeah. surreal. You can, you can really uh, build up a fan base through the microphone connected to your computer than from going to club to club now. Well, because this is such a personal thing and going back to, uh, the documentary, you know, we're right now, this show is in people's ears and we're having a personal one. I mean, this is a conversation we could very well just be having over lunch, Yes, you know, and they're getting to hear this and they're hearing that you lived on your grandmother's couch or, you know, that, you know, we got slipped weed, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or whatever. Like I remember, you know, I went through I'm a, checking my Kickstarter counter right now, even though I know it hasn't dropped yet. <laughs> Chris this is isn't alive, little, by the way. Chris is a little obsessive. Yeah. Um, seriously, guys, donate so he yeah. doesn't lose his shit. Um, but like, you know, I remember I went through a divorce and and the people would come up. I'd be on the road and they'd be like, oh, I'm sorry about your divorce. And my first thing was, how the hell how do did you? you know that? Oh, that's right. I talked about it on Comedy Film Nerds. Right. <laughs> so that. And, and so many people feel like they know you. We got an email on Facebook. I don't know if you saw this was hilarious. It said, uh, yeah, I'm visiting LA. I was thinking I would just kind of stop by the garage and say hi. Then I realized, oh, I don't really know you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I left and the guy went, don't worry. I'm not a weirdo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is not enough information, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> like That means they definitely are. No, we've definitely had like people just, you know, on a Sunday morning, we'll have a couple from... Um, Iowa, um, that we've never met, just drop in and just listen to us record. No one's been killed yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's, it's so surreal. And I mean, I've, for you guys being in, in, and I guess it's also cool. Like the, the festival has grown as podcasting has grown. Yes. So I'm sure, mm-hmm. um, the idea of having non-comedy when you first started probably wasn't even a thing because everything it, was it always was there. And as far as that, cause we knew like, we were like, what's the plan down the road? What was, the, what's the expansion plan? You know, the core is always going to be comedy, but we need to get into these other markets and be all inclusive of all podcasting. And, uh, and that's, that's where we're headed and what we're doing. Yeah. But, oh. And we started to see too, like these NPR shows, some of these tech, these gaming shows are doing crazy numbers two and three times the numbers of the top comedy podcasts and there's crossover like you know Mm -hmm. dude soup sold out here at the improv yeah so you know there's crossover fans for comedy Mm -hmm. and for gaming and for all these shows absolutely i mean right now we're sitting in a podcast studio built at the improv right that didn't exist dude i gotta tell you like i i i so love what you guys have done because i've been working this club for 20 years and this room was, I don't know what it was, fucking storage or something like that. And now it's this slicked it's beautiful, up, beautiful, yeah, beautiful green room, podcast room. And our book is on your bookshelf. That's what I love too. The, <laughs> and the comedy film. By the way, the comedy film nerds guide to comedy available in bookstores. Yep. 
and Amazon and uh, and on our site too. You, if you go to comedyfilmnerds.com, you can get the comedy film nerd guide to movies, uh, autographed copies. Ooh. But if, yeah. And if you want Kindle or I, iBooks or whatever, it's over there too. Yeah. What is an iBook? iBook is the, um, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. I almost wow, answered you. That like, was great. Well, maybe he doesn't know. I, uh, <laughs> so, but one thing I wanted to get back to the, uh, the festival is, uh, um, one of the questions we're getting as the festival progresses is, are you taking submissions and, and, you know, can we submit our podcast? And right now we're not big enough to do that yet, but, um, it's invitation only. However, one of the things we set up because we wanted to be all inclusive of podcasters of every different level and experience, um, we have a podcasting lab and all you have to do is if you buy a ticket to the event, you bring your own recording equipment and you can set up and record and get interviews in there the entire weekend. There's podcasters that come out and just do the lab. They go, they set up, they've got their own literally placemats and stuff. They set up a corner, they do their interviews and they're broadcasting from the festival. And then afterwards, like, you know, I didn't get to see any show. So they buy the live stream to actually watch the festival that they were in. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, think of it like, think of if you just did a little podcast in some small town how are you going to get these named comedians? And then they come and they get, you know, a, a, a 10 to 15 big name acts as guests on their podcast. It's like, it's the coolest thing for are them. Are there any rules as far as how you approach a, a comic? Or is it a free? Never from the left. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. We, we, we encourage people to be polite. That's about it. Yeah. yeah podcast <laughs> fans. I mean, there's, yeah. they're not really that annoying a, or whatever. Yeah, you know, they it, were pretty, they're pretty like, excuse me, sir. In could fact, I? the hotel even said to us is like, you know, you guys, your fans are like the, the coolest, most, you know, sedate people that, you know, cause they have crazy events in the hotel and they're like, no, your fans are all cool. They're you know, polite. We don't have to worry yeah, about I mean, security. It's in the and center of, I mean, it's right down the street from here, but I remember there was like a big modeling event the same night we were at <laughs> Uh, the last podcast. Yeah, that was so yeah. funny. Was like, is this it? There was, there was, it, yeah, it's at the Soft Hotel in Beverly Hills with this super swanky hotel. And then there's all, there's all these podcast nerds running around. And I remember one, yeah, it, that's happened the two years we've done it. And we're back there again this year is, so the, all the, the rooms that we do, there's the festival and around the second floor and then below it, there's like a bar and stuff like that. So sometimes there'll be some big event and there's all these like glammed out Beverly yeah. Hills people. And then upstairs there's all these nerds <laughs> wearing, you know, comic book shirts and Mark Marin shirts and, or whatever. And they usually go downstairs just to get a picture against the uh, glamorous model backdrop. <laughs> well, last year, <laughs> last year, Sunday night was the same night as the Emmys mm -hmm. and none of our fans cared. Yeah. And so they were, there was some Emmy party and a bunch of like, oh, we got to go down there and they all photo bombed. There was some, <laughs> you know, Emmy step and repeat thing. Right. And all these people are all glammed out with the mm. Emmys and <laughs> these nerds down there and they just like photo bombed it. And it was great. Got free drinks and came yeah. back up or whatever. And watched shows. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> Is it going to be the same location this year? Same, yes. same, mm -hmm. same at the Sofitel. It's September 23rd through the 25th. Uh, you can get tickets at LAPodfest.com. And uh, discounted hotel rooms. Discounted hotel rooms. Uh, it's a, it's a $300 a night hotel. And we, we, ours start at 209. Like you, you could pay three, 350 or more a night at that place. And so we're giving you guys a great deal. And also we just had, we have several, we had early bird tickets at $99. Those are all sold out. Um, we had a bunch of those and they went quick. So last year's festival sold out. Uh, and now the kind of early bird, which is 119, those are almost gone. So I, I, I'm telling people, I'm not just doing this to hype it. Like I'd get your tickets early because last year sold out. So don't get shut out because some people just walked first. up on Saturday 
thinking they could just, ah, I did it in the years past. And we were like, sorry. Yeah. We, we, we want to have you, we want to take your money for yeah. sure, but there's a fire marshal now. Yeah. Stupid uh, <laughs> <open> fire <laughs> rules. So it seems like, I mean, like I was saying, um, you know, the bar for now for, for, for your comedian. And I mean, you talk to every comedian. I'm like, do you have a podcast? I'm like, I don't think I should get into it. Do you still think it's a no brainer? Yeah. You never said it was no brainer, by the way. I'm putting those words in your mouth. (laughs) Do you think it's a no brainer? I I think, well, what, here's what I, when I hear that, I always laugh. Oh, everyone's doing it. Uh, a, a pretty prominent comic said a couple of years ago that his manager was like, Oh, podcasting is a swamp. And I was like, if you're just trying to get the same handful of podcast fans that already listen to comedy shows, well then yeah, you're right. But if you realize that whatever the number is and it keeps diminishing, but it used to be 80%. Now it's probably 65 or 70% of the population doesn't know what a podcast is. Go get them. Yeah. Like I I tell comedians like young comics, I say, if you're like, I'm going to get a podcast and get a TV show like Mark Maron, you're doing this for the wrong reasons. Right. Then then just do something to say and be passionate Mm -hmm. about it. That's the first thing for a podcast. Right. And I go find a thing you love to talk about. Right. I go, and here's the thing about podcasting. It can be about anything yeah. you want. I go, if you think there's too many comedy ones. Don't do a comedy one. Then do and 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 list it in the tech or the business right. or the mm-hmm. cooking or whatever. Like do we, something different. And because here's the thing, like I'm very envious of young comedians because they're all, they all. Young. They're <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And their skin's their tight. And I just want to beat them for being yeah. like that. Yeah. How dare you How still d- have choices <laughs> left? <laughs> They're the worst. God damn it, Chris. Chris's dark side comes out. How do you have choices left? Um, but like, they're all listening. They're all getting an education. And I'm sure you're seeing it. I mean, obviously there's always lunatics at open mics that don't know, have no business fucking being there. But I think it's, this is a fucking a graduate degree to listen to pro- professional comics who've been doing comedy 15, 20, 25 years about the craft of stand up comedy. And you can listen to that and go, holy shit, I never had that. We didn't, I mean, no. you'd, you'd work up, up with a guy maybe, and if he was cool, you'd maybe talk to him in the green room right. and watch his act, and you'd get, you'd get to see. Like that was, that was helpful. If you're really lucky, then a headliner would bring you on the road and you could learn from him. You would get a mentor, but that didn't always happen. Right. And well, he'd bring you on the road for a week right? two weeks. And it was a really cool week. I can list a couple guys that did that. And then we, I would have conversations with him at lunch and I, and I'd go, Oh wow, I learned a lot, but you can get that fucking, you can download a hundred hours of that a week. Can you imagine being a young comic? I mean, and then just have access to thousands of hours of of knowledge now. Yeah. Uh, And the the, the fucking YouTube, like I was in a sketch comedy group in college and then we shot sketches when we got out of college. Right. We had to get someone's half inch camera. We had this one guy who did public access cable 45 minutes out in the suburbs of Chicago. We had to drive out there to edit on beta SP. Exactly. (laughs) And fucking three quarter inch and all this shit. And we had to like moving formats or it was took so much work and we did it. And I'm like, man, I would have a sketch show on YouTube. Like, I still think I should put some time and effort into YouTube, but yeah. I'm doing all this effort on all this other. But like, if you're a young comic, I mean, there's fucking comics making money on Vine, on YouTube, on, I'm sure someone's starting to clock in dollars on Periscope. Like, I mean, it's crazy the way you can just 
boom. Nobody had comedy albums when we started. Like, unless you were. Well, they were actual albums. Right. They were vinyl they, they for were vinyl, stars. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you like. It was George Carlin was and George, a couple other people. It was those it was people like that. Those, yeah. Now, like, you're funny. You Bill can, Cosby, which is probably worth a lot right now. If you have an original <laughs> vinyl. <laughs> the Spanish flies. Yeah. Tapes. Um, but like, it's amazing what you can do now. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I think it's worth noting too. I mean, when it comes to podcasting and this, you know, this is, I think the eighth or ninth episode of this show how just, you know, in, in, in this short amount of time, how it's already evolved, you know, it started as just, oh, I just want to talk to people about the booking process and then how ex- through experimentation and you have, you, once you have your platform, you start getting feedback, you know, now I'm doing little, you know, intro segments and having ideas for all sorts of new things to do with it. So you can do whatever you want. I think that is, you can do whatever you want. And until you dive in, I think, especially with podcasting, because there's so many resources and tools and, if you're funny and if you're, if you're a young comic, just start doing it with no expectations. And the, the first few might suck and right. you might start interviewing someone and then realize, oh, I actually want to make this more of an editorial or I want to take a phone right. call right. or whatever it is. Well, I remember we always uh, tell the story of Welcome to Nightville when we talked to them and interviewed them. They're like, we wanted to do a podcast, but we didn't know what we wanted to do. So we listened to a bunch and we wanted to do something that no one was doing before. They, they said they took like something like ridiculous, like eight months to figure out what right. they wanted to do. And sure enough, they launched something and, um, it got giant really fast, but they took that time mm-hmm. to figure out, we want to do something different. We want to look at the landscape and see what's not there and then add something to it. It's, it's in this technical age, you can do whatever you want and you can literally do it from your iPhone if you want. Like, I mean, Tell us, like you could, you could do an episodic series seven seconds at a time on Vine if you want. Like you, you yeah. could do something that interesting if you wanted to. You can just, like the sky's the limit. And I think what happens sometimes is that is daunting because it, it's like there's 15 mountains in front of you and you're saying, just climb one. And then people go, ah. and which I one? Just one, start, start some, see which takes off. Are you better writing? 140 character jokes, then be a Twitter joke writer, yeah. you know? And, and, and the thing is now you can go get a fan base. You know, when we started, it was the tonight show. It was HBO did one tour specials a year. And again, it was giant name acts. And now, I mean, okay. Comedy central is not hiring you. You know, I mean, look, look, I have never been, I was never invited to the Aspen Comedy Festival. It's now gone. In Montreal, I've never been invited to. I was at Aspen as a filmmaker. Right. Not never as a comedian. <laughs> never as a f- comedian. Uh, I went skiing there once. Yeah. <laughs> it's, by the way, it's beautiful. It's be- it sounds gorgeous. Yeah, great things. I've never gone. Never been invited. So uh, we created a festival. No, I don't have to submit to podcast every year. <laughs> you know, would I like to, to get millions of dollars to do a movie? Of course. But in the meantime, we'll raise 140 grand and do it on Kickstarter. And I'm not saying it's easy. It is a shit ton of work and comedians. A lot of them are lazy. So if you out hustle, you will win. Cause and you also, I mean, both of you have been doing this for so long that you put in the, that work, you know? Yeah. Yep. And we still are the, every day. Yeah. But, you know, growing, going, being on the road and, Mm -hmm. and, and just, you know, working that muscle. Well, that's it too. And, and you, you, you know, you got to stay on stage and you got to stay sharp. If you're going to be a a live performer, you just have to do it. And 
And I would say, you know, I always say to young comics, just get on stage as much as you can, as many different places as you can, uh, learn how to work clean. I'm not judging that. Like I've got dirty stuff in my act, but I think if you learn how to work clean, you give yourself more options. It's a good exercise. It's a good exercise. Even if you end up working a little dirtier, it's, you know, learn to work clean first. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked about, I mean, those, those corporate gigs are, can be your bread and butter. It's a lot of money yeah, in yeah. corporate gigs, man. There's yeah. a lot of money. Like I know guys- One that, corporate gig could pay, it's the same as like one or two, sometimes two months on the road. Of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know guys that started to, to this, this comic, Mike Pace started doing- cruise ships and a lot of come, Oh God, cruise ships. It's the end of the line or whatever. And there's no end of the line anymore. Now there's just content. People like content or they don't. And if they like it, they don't care how old you are. They don't care what you look like. They, like that old Hollywood. Oh, you got to look good or you're too old or you're losing your hair. Or you've put on weight or what gives a shit now? Just make good content. I'm working on it. You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> Go to the gym, Jamie. That's what I'm it's saying. It's an audio medium. <laughs> I have to paint the goddamn picture. <laughs> Holy Christ. Um, but like he did a, he did, was doing a cruise ship and, and again, I'm not, I'm not a squeaky clean comedian, but so he's doing a cruise ship and there's a, there's a family show that's gotta be squeaky, squeaky clean. And then there's like a late night blue show. And this guy came up to him who was with his family and he goes, he was with his wife and his, and his, and his three kids. He goes, just so you know, I've seen both your shows. I think you're very funny. For the late night show, it's just my wife and I. For the family show, it's all, it's five people's, t- five tickets. And he just looked at him and went, see the difference? And he went, oh, and, he, and that's, I mean, Jim Gaffigan and Brian Regan are millionaires because they are, because my 12 year old nephew can go see them. You know, mm-hmm. like my sister took when, when my nephew was like 10, took him to see Brian Regan. Well, Disney and Pixar weren't, aren't the only games in town making family movies anymore. All the other studios just right. realized that, Oh, you know, this is never just one ticket. You know, when you sell a movie to a kid, it's at least two because they have to go with one parent, but then usually it's a family. It's, it's generally four at least. Right. So, you know, they and then you got to buy the DVDs because the kids want to watch it over and over DVDs, and over. Yep. And they're all, they're always going to want popcorn. <laughs> so it is an investment. And they, these studios realize that there's a lot of money in family entertainment. Yeah. So family podcast fest, is that the next thing? There are some podcasters that have started to do family friendly podcasts, squeaky clean. I mean, a lot of us comedians embraced it because we do morning radio and we can't swear. We can't talk about this and that. We love the freedom of, I can say, and it's not just about swearing. It's just any political subject matter, anything more, we can say whatever we want. And we like that freedom, but there is something to be said. For, you know, as the festival expands, you know, maybe we'll have a block of, you know, family friendly content or, but right now it's pretty much 18 or older yeah, <laughs> for the festival. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think, uh, this has been a great conversation. Thank you guys. Sure. Oh, this was great. Thank you. What, um, what can we expect in the future from the podcast, from the movie and from the festival? Well, um, like we said, earbuds, if you go to, uh, at earbuds pod movie or at, uh, you, earbudspodmovie.com. You get updates on the release of that movie. It'll be out available for sale probably in the fall. Yes. We're doing, we're doing the festival. We're waiting to hear back from some festivals right now. Um, and distributors, distributors and all that business, but we, we're, you know, comedy film nerds has its own, 
distribution platform. So at worst, we'll just do it ourselves. We're not worried about distributors. Mm -mm. So because we can get it to people um, either digitally or shipping DVDs anywhere in the world. So we're, we're fine. So that's, you know, stay tuned for earbuds if you haven't heard about it. And then 2016 Los Angeles PodFest is uh, September 23rd through the 25th. Go to LAPodFest.com. We're going to be and, you know, follow at LA PodFest on all social media uh, because we're going to just now the dates and the location are locked. Now you're just going to be updates on who's coming. Yeah. The shows. Yeah. So we're just for the next you know, what is it? Four or five months. We're going to just be announcing this, this big show and that big show. Mm-hmm. So, and you just had a, a great variety show here. Uh, it's, I love it. It's the second time I've done variety Palooza. It's why I love the lab at the improv. I love you doing all this cool stuff. I was here like a week or so ago and Lori Kilmartin and I were just hanging out and she goes, I can't believe that there's an alternative room right next to the main room. And it's the, 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 the variety Palooza is, is like, <laughs> A seventies style. It's not like a set. It's like, like everyone's wearing mutton chop sideburns and shit like that. But there is a key party. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But we, um, I I want it to be like sort of a seventies style TV variety show, but I get like sort of um, parody variety acts. Yeah. So I'm, I've got this cop character in the past. We, you know, so that, that's what the show, we'll have a couple stand up comics just doing straight stand up, and then we'll have some acts. We've had some musical parody acts that were really cool. Last time we had the brothers brothers, which so funny. They're like a, a country parody, but they're still very good musicians. They're phenomenal. I, I, I book them whenever I can. There's so, such good variety. They're great. And, yeah. the, and, and their songs are funny and stuff like that. And finally, um, just one more reminder for long ago. And far away, yes. Kickstarter on Kickstarter. Check that out. Yeah, and, and there's a free preview too. So if you want to check out the book, you could download like the first uh, 15 pages or so. Beautiful. And as I end every show, work on your craft endlessly. Be a professional. Be undeniable. And be cool as fuck always. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. For more episodes of Gatekeeper, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me online at jamieflam.com and at jamieflam on Twitter. A very special thanks to the Sideshow Network, The Hollywood Improv, Andrew Stevens, Sean Merrick, Roddy Swearingen, and producer Buddy Peace for the awesome music at the top and end of this episode. And be sure to check out hollywood.improv.com for updates on great new shows coming up in the main room and the lab.